on radio, streaming live on investtalk.com, and for our podcast subscribers. This is Invest Talk, above average investing for the average investor. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. And now, KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor Steve Peasley. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Welcome to Invest Talk, above average investing for the average investor. We try to bring you useful information and answer any questions you might have, as long as they're financial. Okay, let's go to Jim and Carlsbad. How are you doing, Jim? Uh, the question I had was about the mutual fund versus the exchange-traded fund. Mm-hmm. What exactly is the difference between those? Okay, ETFs are fairly new, and there's lots of it's kind of exploding and take a lot of money out of the mutual fund, so it's kind of an interesting thing. The mutual fund has a manager, okay? He may be a large-cap mutual fund. He may be a small-cap. He may have a discipline that he is employing, and he states that in the prospectus. And he says, I'm going to buy large-cap stocks. So he goes out and buys those large-cap, and he manages, buys and sells, and he tries to manage that portfolio to make money. A ETF, exchange-traded fund, is an unmanaged fund. It follow indexes like the QQQs or the SPYs, or it can follow a sector like uh, the insurance sector or the banking sector or oil sector. It could be an ETF that just has those group of stocks in them, but they're not managed at this point. Most of the time, they're not managed. They're not managing the ETF. You're just buying that group of stocks, and there you go. So one is much more managed than the other. On the other hand, ETFs are much cheaper because they're not managed. It's the cheaper fees than a mutual fund. So ETFs that's the, are more focused on industry groups then and rather than uh, capital value? Or? And areas of the world, even country-specific sometimes, oh. or just areas of the market, yes. Great. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate the call. Hey, Stephen Justin. This is Jason from New Hampshire, and I was calling to ask about my father in retirement. He's 58 right now and plans on retiring when he's 67. He doesn't have any retirement savings but would like to start conservatively. And I'm just curious what would be the best approach slash strategy for uh, strategy for him. We'd love to hear back from you. Thanks. Okay, so he wants to be conservative. So he doesn't want to be fully in the market, stock market. That's not conservative. That's aggressive. But what he can do is find an ETF or other type of investment that's not necessarily fully exposed to stocks. And it could be a, a balanced type of program where you have stocks and bonds. And he really should just keep buying it every paycheck or every month the same amount. That's called dollar cost averaging. And just keep doing it for the next 10 years. Just keep doing it. No matter if the market goes down or up, just keep doing it. And he'll have a decent amount of money when he retires. Now, since he's getting such a very late start, he, you know, unless he puts a lot of money away every month, you know, he's not going to have that great of a a great of a pile of money to live on in retirement. So he's got to have some other, other sources of income, Social Security or whatever else. You got to figure that out. Very, very important. Good evening, Steve and Justin. Dylan here. I'm calling from Oregon. I have a question about index funds and dividends. What happens with the dividends that are issued to the fund managers, which I assume are buying the individual stocks that comprise the index 
Do the fund investors ever see that money? For instance, the majority of my portfolio is lumped into Schwab's SWPPX, which tracks uh, S&P 500, and I know that a handful of stocks in that index issue dividends. Uh, could I be potentially missing out on some extra income here? Uh, thank you, and I look forward to your answer. So the dividends come into the index, okay? The dividends are paid to the index, and the net asset value, the price of that index, goes down the exact exact amount of the amount of the dividend. So if you've got a thirty cents dividend, that stock, that ETF or index fund will go down that exact same amount. The same is true for stocks. If you own AT and T and they paid a six percent dividend, your stock price will go down six percent. Exactly the same amount of the dividend. Did you know that? See, some people think they can buy the stock the day before they go ex-dividend, meaning that the day before they pay the dividend, and therefore they'll make the dividend and then sell the stock, and they just made the dividend without any risk. That's wrong. When they go ex-dividend, the stock opens up at the exact amount of the dividend down on the price. Same thing would do with the, and true with the indexes. Now, now, of course, the index has the money, right? So they got to reinvest it. If you had the individual stock, you would have the money, and you could do whatever you want with it. But an index doesn't pay it out to you necessarily. You know, some of the ETFs specialize in paying it out to you, and they will, yeah, they'll, they'll pay it out to you. But it depends on, you got to know how that uh, ETF or index is structured, how they do that. You can call right now and be part of the program. Let's hear about what your talking point is. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278, and you can get through right now. No two investors have an identical portfolio, so each investor will have different questions. I guess I'm wondering how I should kind of diversify. If the questions specific to your portfolio aren't being asked, your situation is not addressed. And I wanted your thoughts on the cannabis market. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein take Invest Talk listener questions each weekday during the program live stream in the 4 to 5 p.m. hour Pacific time. The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes, so your questions are always welcome. As a newer investor, my question concerns positions. You have the right to remain silent, but why would you when anything you ask will be used to help you create your financial freedom? I think it'll probably go higher. And so I would keep a tight stop on it. So don't forget to call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Let's go to Rob in Georgia. He wants to talk about saving money for a home purchase. Hey, Justin, how are you? Uh, love okay. the show. Here's my question for tonight. I uh, handle uh, the finances and savings for two of my daughters, and they're much mm. smarter and make a little bit more money than their old man. Uh, they've got six months worth of savings, and they're mm-hmm. trying to save up for both either a car or a house. Mm-hmm. And right now, we just got about fifty thousand dollars just in a checking account. And I was wondering mm-hmm. if you can recommend—is there a short-term 
yeah, for savings for this time to get a little higher uh, uh, reward, so to speak. Yeah, uh, I use Marcus by Goldman Sachs. I'll tell you, that's I uh, get about half a percent. It's nothing great, you know. I leave uh, you know some excess cash in there. Um, it's better than most checking or savings accounts that you're probably getting nothing, next to nothing. Um, half yeah. percent also sounds like next to nothing as well, but at least it's uh, FDIC insured and um, easy to get money in and out. So uh, that's the the best you can do. There are some other. You maybe get a bit higher than that, uh, and you can go to like bankrate.com and look for uh, FDIC insured money market accounts or high yield savings accounts, things like that. It's probably the best way to to find it. But um, Marcus is one I've seen that has the best uh, rate for the kind of safety that 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 I want. So um, that's probably the best you can do. Unfortunately, in this very low interest rate environment, that's excellent. And uh, again, love the show. Uh, keep up the good work, guys. Appreciate it, Rob. Hi, Steve and Justin. It's Steve Osier calling from New Hampshire. Love the show. Just had a quick question about Roth 401k contributions inside my employer plan. So when it comes time to take those contributions out, typically how does that work? Because obviously I have traditional and then I also have the Roth contribution inside my 401k. So just curious if you guys can fill me in on, on generally how that process works. So I really appreciate it. I look forward to the answer on the podcast. Well, I'm assuming you're talking about getting the money out of your employer uh, first off. So if you do leave uh, or you hit 59 and a half and you can do an in-service rollover, then you would roll. You would open an IRA and a Roth IRA, and you would roll the uh, the pre-tax one, uh, 401k, into your IRA, and your post-tax, the Roth portion, uh, over into a Roth IRA. So uh, it's pretty simple. You want to make sure those are separate, and, and uh, I'm sure your uh, your 401k provider is going to keep those separate. And it's up to you after that to, to make sure that they're separate. And when you take money out, uh, then what that does, it gives you the ability to pick and choose when you want to take that money out, depending on your tax situation. So in retirement, say you're in a high tax bracket for whatever reason. Maybe it's the year you do retire and you're still making a good amount of money and you're, uh, you're, you know, you retire uh, maybe halfway through the year, for example, uh, and you're in a decently high tax bracket. Then you can take money out of your Roth IRA and not add to your taxable income for that year. But let's say you're five years in retirement, six years in retirement. You don't have a lot of other income besides maybe Social Security, uh, maybe you have a pension or something, and you're in a low tax bracket, then you can say, okay, I'm going to take money out of, my, out of my IRA or even do a Roth conversion uh, into your, your Roth. And that's a, a strategy to think about as well. So uh, that's more of a question for your tax professional, your CPA, to kind of guide you on the most tax-efficient way to take that distribution in retirement. Thanks for the call. Here are the directions for reaching Steve this afternoon with your question. Just call 888-99-CHART, C-H-A-R-T. Have a question about how best to get into the market? Or maybe you're feeling unsure about your current investments. That's what this is all about. This is Invest Talk. Let's talk to uh, Amika. Hi, Amika. How are you doing? Hey, Steve. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for the call. And thank you so much to you and Justin and the team for everything you all have been doing for us. Thank you. I appreciate that. I do have a question, not a particular like any stock question. The question I do have is, what do you think of the economy? Uh, Do you think like with the Fed starting to taper, 
and also with the interest rate going up, what do you think the economy overall? Do you see more bullish action or are we going to be more bearish time, you know, in the time we are living right now? Okay, I think we're looking at about a 6% growth in the, in the economy this year, GDP growth. And I also see growth next year of about 4%. I don't see us, see us going into recession this year or next. And I don't think the Fed is going to raise the rates until next year or maybe late next year or even the year after. They will taper, and I think their first steps, and I know Justin does too, will be to slowly slow down their bond buying which will tighten ever so slightly the liquidity in the market. But there's so much liquidity that that, that liquidity is going to last for at least this year and then to next. So I think our economy is fine uh, for that period of time. I think when this COVID variant is fully in, notice that the market hasn't really collapsed. It's, it's, it's hitting hot, new highs. It's poking its head above highs. And even though this COVID variant is spreading, investors are not worried about it. There's a an invest. Don't argue with the investors. Investors are smart with their money overall. So I'm thinking, I think we're fine. We're going to have a correction, but I think it's a correction that you want to be a buyer of, not sell and get out and panic out of the market. That's what I think. Good, good call and good question, Amika. I appreciate that. Let's go to James in New York, and he was talking about interest rates. Yeah, um, I just wanted to uh, know. I have a sizable amount of money in a, a bank account, just a traditional bank account, and I was wondering. I did not want to expose it to uh, market uh, fluctuations. I was hoping that uh, I might just make an investment if I want to use that money. It's not going to fluctuate up and down too much, so that's kind of what I was looking to do. Um, is there anything you might recommend for that, like a short-term fixed income bond or anything of that nature? I, I would like to avoid CDs. Yeah, I would say the best thing, and this is what I use with uh, my very short-term cash. Obviously, I don't have a lot of it, but I use a high-yield savings account. Uh, Marcus by Goldman Sachs is the one that, that I use, get half a percent. It's not great. <laughs> Once again, I don't have a ton of money in there just because it's not something that I want to – uh, I can do much better in the markets uh, with my expertise, but it's always good to have a, a small uh, amount in emergency savings, like you said, and that's not going to fluctuate. It's FDIC insured, et cetera. So that's probably the best way you can go. I know it doesn't sound very appetizing. It isn't very appetizing, but that's the world we live in. And if you want safety and you don't want CDs, and even CDs are not going to get much more than that anyway, uh, I think your liquidity there, your safety and at least something of a yield better than the 0.01%. I know uh, JP Morgan, that's what they pay on their savings accounts because they don't need more deposits. So they have no reason to attract it. Uh, but that's what you're getting over at Marcus. But there are other ones. There are definitely other high yield savings accounts. Maybe there's a few that are a little bit more as well. You can shop uh, for those uh, around on the internet uh, and just make sure that they're FDIC insured and they are reputable. Okay. You're listening to Invest Talk, everybody. I'm Steve Peasley. We want to answer your questions. Our listener line number is always ready for you 888 99Chart. Beginning our experience, we're here to answer your questions.
You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888-99-CHART, 888-99-CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART is our number, 888-992-4278. Okay, we're going to go talk to Jean in Raleigh, North Carolina, reloca- relocating to a retirement spot. Are you, are you there, Jean, or are you, you're still moving? Oh, no, it's a couple of years away, but uh, I was curious. Uh, in the past, you know, you've talked uh, about, in past shows, you've always talked about uh, relocating from a high-cost state to a, a, a lower-cost okay. state. And I'm wondering, have you seen any trends in the people you're dealing with or you've heard the news about people moving out of the country to particular areas to, for, uh, for retirement to, to lower the cost, particularly yes. uh, areas in Mexico or Canada yes. or even other countries? Yeah, well, we call those expats. But I have a client, uh, she uh, lives in Oklahoma, which is not a high-cost place, but she likes to go to Mexico in the winter, because it's so cold in Oklahoma. So that's what she does. And the cost is really, really low for her to lease a place for like three or four months, five months in Mexico. But there's also people that move completely out of the country and don't plan on coming back. Even, even I even talked about earlier this week or late last week about people, billionaires moving out of the country and, and getting rid of their U.S. citizenship because of the tax, high taxes. But one of the destinations people like is Panama. Now, I don't think I could take Panama because of the humidity, but you can live right on the water, lots of islands, uh, and pretty reasonably. And people like it because they use U.S. dollar, they speak English, that kind of thing. So it's easy. Um, I also had a client who moved to uh, the Philippines, and he doesn't make much money. He wasn't wealthy, uh, doesn't have a lot of retirement money, so he moved there. He can live very well on his Social Security alone in the Philippines. Uh, So, yeah, people move. Two tips. I I did hear about the Philippines, and I think in general what I I heard is uh, uh, two good tips is to to understand the entire season of wherever you live, the weather, yeah. And also know what type of uh, rules apply to peop, uh, foreigners who own properties. Yeah, you got. Yeah, some places won't let you buy property. Some places won't let you in uh, um, at all. Europe, a lot of places you can't move to Europe. You just can't drop and say, "I'm going to go move to France." You can't do that. They have very strict rules in various countries in Europe. Thanks a lot. Yeah, appreciate the call. Thank you. And Taylor has a question in Los Angeles. Hi, Taylor. Hi, how's it going? Good. Thank you for the call. appreciate it. My question is about rolling over my 401k to my IRAs. Um, I'm in my 20s, and I'm wondering, since I'm getting a cash disbursement to my IRA, should I worry about current prices right now when buying into new stocks, or is my time horizon just too far that it doesn't matter about finding good buying opportunities? Yeah, I, I wouldn't worry about it too much because you're so young. Um, yeah, the market might be a little pricey in certain sectors, but other sectors are not. I mean, there, there are places that you can put it that are not over. Uh, but I think time in the market is much more important than trying to time the market. You can't time the market. So, you know, if we were on the cusp of a recession, I might suggest, well, why don't you just wait till the recession happens and put all the money in? Yeah. You know? At the, at the recession, because stock market tanks on a recession. But we're not on the cusp of a recession. It's not going to happen for a little while. 
So I, I'm thinking that you want to put the money in. I don't think you should wait. I really don't. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call now, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Justin. This is Ray. My strategy is to get in to the stock when it's low and at the dip and then um, sell it when it's high. I know it's not something that uh, people like. I mean, uh, you guys agree with that. But I'm doing okay. I'm doing better than what I was expecting. 75% of the time I'm doing good. So I was wondering, uh, is there anything wrong with this strategy? That's a conversation between me and my wife. She's buy and hold type. I'm not. So I was wondering, what would you think about that? Thank you. Well, your strategy is basically buy the dip. Uh, And in a bull market, that works perfectly fine, right? Because every dip, gets bought. And frankly, investors have been conditioned to invest this way, right? Because uh, any dip, any major dip, the Fed will come in and kind of stimulate the economy. Now it's the government coming in and stimulate the economy uh, and getting money into uh, the hands of, of people and investors and companies. And so that's simply the market environment we're in. Now in a bear market, buying the dip does not work, right? Because every dip may get bought, but guess what? That rally gets sold and then it goes lower and lower. And so you're doing well because it works in an up environment, in a bull market environment. And so don't confuse your success with something that is going to work forever. It will work as long as we are in a bull market. And like I said earlier, different market environments, different strategies work. This is a buy and hold, this is the buy the dip type of market. And that's why you are successful today. You can call right now and be part of the program. Let's hear about what your talking point is. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. And you can get through right now. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally. First with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value. So your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses 
for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the Internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI Red Teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 888-99-CHART, 888-99-CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART, everybody. Give me a call. Love to talk to you. We're live, and we're going to go to Mark in Morgan Hill. How you doing, Mark? Morgan Hill, by the way, is in uh, California, up the coast a bit from me and down from... Uh, San Jose, down from Silicon Valley. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing well. Thanks for taking my call. 
Thank you. Um, I had a question about closed-ended funds. Uh-huh. I discovered them about almost a year ago, and I went from investing a little bit to quite a bit, over 200000 now I'm in them, including munis. Um, okay. They're doing really, really well. They're not talked about very much in investment circles, no. and it's hard to get information. So I wanted to ask you your thoughts on them. I, I realize there's risk involved, but uh, so far, so good for me. I okay. just wanted to know your thoughts. Sure. A closed-end fund is neither good nor bad. It's a different type of investment. Okay. Everybody knows what a mutual fund is. Everybody knows what ETFs are. But closed-end funds have been around a lot longer than ETFs, exchange-traded funds. What's the difference is between a mutual fund, an ETF, and a closed-end fund? The closed-end fund has a finite number of shares. It's just, it can do anything that a mutual fund or ETF can do. Follow a follow a uh, an index. It can buy and sell stocks. It can be a bond closed in fund. But being that it has a finite number of shares, like a company, like a stock company, it can sell at higher than the net asset value of the fund's holdings. So. You know, an open-in fund, which is a mutual fund or an ETF, means it always sells at what is the value of the holdings it has. A closed-in fund can sell at a discount to the value or a premium to the value. So you can buy a closed-in fund, and you can pay more than what it's really worth. The holdings are worth less than what you have. Or you can buy at a discount, and the holdings can be more. So don't think that it's really that different of an investment than all the others, other than it can sell at a discount or a premium. Of course, you would like to buy it at a discount because you're getting the stuff that it's holding cheaper than the market value is. But you know, there's nothing wrong with having them. There's no, you know, there's no magic there. It's just that if you buy a good closed-in fund, you you get a good managed fund. There you go. You 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 get the assets that's in the fund. Okay. So don't, you know, they're fine, Mark. There's nothing wrong with them at all. Nothing wrong with them. But you do want to know if you're buying at an, you know, is it trading now? Has they done very well, as you suggested? Is it at a premium to what the holdings are? And maybe you want to, you know, sell some because it's at a premium. Okay. 888-99-CHARTER is our number, 888-992-4278. We're going to talk to Jim in Indiana. How are you doing, Jim? Hi, Steve. Uh, I was calling today about uh, rental prices and what what uh-huh. I can uh, hopefully take, maybe take advantage of the situation. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So I live, um, I live about 25 minutes from the second largest, probably the second largest city in Indiana. Okay. Um. And so I guess you could categorize where I live as a suburb. The rental prices in the town that I live close to have gone up about 10% year over year. Okay. So, you know, it's still really affordable. It's Indiana. It's like 950 square feet. You know, you're going to pay about $850 a month. Oh, wow. But that's gone up. That's gone up 10% year over year from last year. Uh Uh-huh. Um, the town that I live in, you know, 900 square feet is going to cost you about $650 a month, oh, wow. a month. and it's only gone up about 5% year over year. Now, the town I live in is a 
is a um, we have a very small college um, here in the town, and and I'm just I'm looking at it going okay. Where is the opportunity in terms of future looking? Um, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. is there an opportunity to buy rental properties? If I should, if I do, should I buy in the larger town that I'm further away from where I work, or uh-huh. should I buy where I live where well, the prices of okay. rent are not going up as quickly? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, where you want to concentrate on those places that have growth and some kind of magnet to draw in people. When I say that, you kind of touch on a little bit. You said there was a small college in your town. But what about one of the major colleges in Indiana? Those are magnets for young people and nightlife and, you know, activity. Also, uh, 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 the the uh, Indiana State Capitol, that's another place. Usually that's a magnet. Or a huge uh, recreational or vacation spot that everybody loves to go to. You know, try to figure out some kind of – try to stay in the area where there's a – a magnet of some kind drawing people to that area, and I think you'll be more successful, and you'll have prices probably a little higher, but also probably going up that 10% instead of the 5%. So that's what I would suggest. I When I was buying rentals, my magnet was on the West Coast was something within a mile or two of the ocean. Does everybody want to live near the ocean? Okay. So that's, that was my magnet. That I used. I had six or seven properties at one time, and they were all within a mile or two of the ocean. I did very, very well with those properties because of that. So I think you just got to figure out, well, where's a good draw uh, of people to, and where's the growth? Stay with the growth area, not the places that are stagnant, but with the growth area. Good question, too. Very good, Jim. Thank you for the call. I really appreciate it. Hi, Stephen Justin. My name is Todd in Colorado, six-month listener here. Love the show. Uh, I have a question about where to store holdings for stock buying and investing. I have an IRA, but it's maxed for the year. Is it wise or even legal to have several IRA accounts? Or what is the best way to set up accounts to invest from? Uh, Anyway, appreciate everything you guys do. Love the show, and I look forward to hearing the answer. Have a good one. Well, thank you for the kind words about my uh, my grandfather, Jerry. Uh, but when it comes to IRAs, you can hold as many IRAs as you want. There's no limit. There's nothing illegal about having multiple IRAs. You can have different brokerage firms, same brokerage firm. Well, that doesn't really make a whole, whole lot of sense. But uh, you can certainly do that. It's about the IRA contributions. That's what matters is how much money. And you can put – you can have six IRAs and put a 1000 each every year for your $6,000 annual contribution. So if you have extra money though, I would be putting, you can, you can make non-deductible IRA contributions. That is something you can do. It becomes a, a little trickier to track, right? Because you have to make sure that the IRS knows that, that there's money in there. So when you take it out, that it's not taxed, etc. cetera. Uh, but uh, you can also put that into uh, a regular brokerage account, uh, and invested that way. So no, there's nothing that prevents you from having multiple IRAs. It's definitely not illegal. It's just about the money that goes in. Let's go to Nadia in San Francisco. Let's talk about real estate. Hey, Dustin. Thanks for taking my call here. No problem. Thanks for so, making it. Um, sure. So 
um, I've been thinking about buying a condo in San Francisco for, for a while now. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to get your opinion whether I should sell all my stock investment to put down on the down, down payment or if I should keep my, you know, maybe put down like 10% and take a, a higher mortgage. So love to hear your opinion. Well, with this interest environment, I would, and you're getting probably two and a half, two and three quarters uh, interest rate. I would put the lower amount down. I would avoid PMI, try to make sure that you're not paying any uh, mortgage interest, but get that 20% down payment and then take the uh, that low interest rate instead of putting it more towards the principal at this point. Um, so that's the way I would think about it because you're going to be able to earn more on your, te- your, your uh, equity investments than you are on your uh, the mortgage rate at these levels. Now, if mortgage rates go back to... Five six percent, which clearly would have an impact on the housing market, but your your cost of borrow would be much higher, and then that 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 calculus would be a bit different, um, especially in the taxable account where maybe you're earning eight ten percent minus taxes, etc. Uh, so I would make sure you're not paying PMI, but you don't need to put down uh, a drastic amount or pay off that mortgage. Okay. Got it. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Hi, my name is Sarah from Irvine, and I had a question about backdoor Roth IRA account. Um, my husband and I, our income is too high for a Roth IRA. And I was wondering when a backdoor Roth IRA made sense and what the tax benefits and tax liabilities are. Thank you so much for your content. I love the podcast. Okay. Well, this is a pretty difficult question because it's specific to a person and a family situation. So do you have a 401k? Are you maxing that out too? Do you have a regular IRA and a Roth IRA? And are you putting money in both of those? A backdoor, uh, a backdoor Roth IRA is where you take it out of the regular IRA and put it into the Roth. And what's benefit about that? Because when you move it, you can move bigger chunks of money than you can invest in the, any IRA any one year. And also, in a Roth, the money grows tax-free, whereas a regular IRA, all that money is going to be taxed as you withdraw it. So it's very specific to the people involved. So I can't just give you an overall answer whether it's good for you or not good for you. Here comes another question, this time from a listener in Colorado. Hi, guys. Raquel from Denver here. Uh, New listener and really enjoying learning more about investing. So thanks for that. I have a question. I lived overseas in Australia and left a decent chunk of money there in a bank account and a retirement account. Right now, with the exchange, I would lose 25% if I exchange to U.S. dollars from Aussie dollars. And I don't know if I could invest there or what I should do. Any tips would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, I, we hear this from time to time. Now, we're not international tax accountants, so uh, you, you're you probably going to have to find this information elsewhere. Uh, I'm not sure what the rules are on uh, repatriating those money, that money from Australia to the U.S. So I, I, I would go to another source for that. Uh, but I wouldn't look at what you would lose, right, by translating that back into dollars. Now, the dollar's down a bit, um, so hopefully that's improved recently compared to the Australian dollar. But I would think of it more of what is my opportunity cost, what am I invested in over there? Uh, Can I do better over here? Will it grow better 
over here uh, and trying to get that money back in. So uh, I know a lot of people incorrectly try to get back to even, right? They, they don't want to take that loss or you'll feel like it was a loss. Uh, so don't think of it that way. Think of the opportunity cost of being able to invest in here in the U.S. in and have more control over those assets as well. So good luck in getting those assets moved over. What are the dangers of short selling? Can anybody do it? Or what's your question? Why not ask it now at 888-99-CHART on Talk. Okay, remember, we love beginner questions. Everyone who listens to this program either is a beginner or was one at that one time. So we welcome your question at 888-99-CHART. Now, what is the question? Is that when you hear a company say it's going to buy its own stock back, that's a good thing. Yes. But let's say the company's current stock price is $20. What price are they buying their own stock back? They usually buy it in the open market, just like you would do that. Right. What they do, if you pay attention, David, they say, we're going to buy back $500 million worth of our own stock. Right. They'll say, we'll do that over the next year, two years, five years. They'll tell you the length of time. Oh, okay. And they will say that. And then they don't just go out and buy it like tomorrow. No, 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 no. And sometimes they'll buy it when they think it's the right time to buy it on low prices. Or the most common thing is they look for a downturn in that, that stock price and they'll buy it then to try to hold the price up. Do they like dollar cost average their own stock then? The, nope. Uh-uh. They might buy $100 million today and then wait six months and buy another $200 million then. It's totally up to them and they don't tell you what their plan is in oh, detail. Oh, okay. So has their plan ever been to drive their own stock price down purposely to buy shares? Most of the time, no. It's to drive it up. No, I, no I mean, but I mean to buy their stock back at a cheaper price. No, they have no way to drive it down. They can't okay. manipulate it. In other words, oh, okay. that would be very bad, and they would get in a lot of trouble by the oh, SEC. Yeah, right. But, you know, these guys get in trouble all the time for doing crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. They, <laughs> okay. If your answer is could they, the answer is yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. Could. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, they could. Sure. Yeah, they certainly could. They generally don't. And you'll also find that they'll announce a buyback program, and they'll say they'll buy it back within two years. And, and two years pass, and they didn't fulfill their agreement to buy back their stocks. Sometimes they don't do what they say they're going to do, too. Now, wouldn't they get in trouble for that? Because it sounds like that, that when you mention you're going to buy your own stock back, that that would raise the price of the stock up. You would think so. But they'll have reasons like we had better uses of the money. Maybe we wanted to put the uh, money to buy in a new company that was an opportunity. You know, they'll, huh. they'll come up with something. But I've yeah. seen them announce buybacks and then not actually follow through with the whole buyback. Yeah, that's not right. No. Appreciate Dave. Yeah, thank you, Dave. Thanks. Bye. Now, if you have a question about a stock or an IRA, college savings plan, well, maybe buying a house, mortgages, reverse mortgages, we're here for you. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888-99-CHART, 888-99-CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Owen from Redding, California. I'm going to ask on your opinion about the EV sector. I've been watching it for a while now, and I've been wanting to get some exposure to it, but it seems overpriced. So I've been watching Xping, Neo, Tesla, Nikola. 
and all the stocks seem either way overpriced to me or they seem like they're not a very good stock. So I was just wondering if you know of a cheaper stock that has a future that is in the EV market that's not so overpriced or overbought right now. Or if you are looking at a certain stock and you're looking for a drawback, thanks and I'll be listening on the podcast. Now, of course, we cannot just bring up companies and tell you to invest in them. Now, the one, the SEC wouldn't let us. But don't just look at, when you're talking about the electric vehicle market, don't just look at the car companies. Look at where parts, what parts do they get those from? What, the parts in that car come from somewhere. They don't make them all. I mean, you know, so look deeper. Uh, and the technology that's really changing and a lot of money is being poured into it is the electric vehicle. And the electric vehicle industry is batteries. And that's why I suggest you look. So remember, Volkswagen said all their cars are going to go electric in the next few years. Well, that's a lot of batteries being produced by somebody. So widen your view. That's what I would say. And, you know, the big car companies also are going to go electric. Volkswagen, GM. GM just got the, recently their price upgraded by some analysts because of the electric vehicles that they're coming out with. So think more globally. Okay, let's go to Eric in San Mateo. How you doing, Eric? Want to talk about municipal bonds. How's it going? Good, Steve. Thanks for uh, your podcast. It's great. Um, I You're do welcome. have a question. So um, we uh, we had a managed account with um, Fidelity, and we were, we took uh, 20% out to buy a property, investment property. Uh, it kind of fell through. Okay. Um, we kind of bought it. Oh, we sold the... It was all stock, um, so we took it out. It was we sold it at a profit, and the investment property fell through. So our advisor recommended, you know, since we sold at a profit and um, the market is really high right now, to invest it into a managed account for municipal bonds, where it's tax-free. Um, you'll get a four to five percent return. Uh, so in case we do have find another property to buy or uh, when the market goes down to reinvest in the market, what are your thoughts on that strategy? Okay. Okay. Um, that depends. What tax bracket are you in? Uh, the highest, probably. Okay. Okay. So then a double tax-free benefit is a good one for you because when you buy municipal bonds in a particular state, um, and you're calling from uh, KDOW, so I'm assuming you're in California. So the double tax-free, in other words, you don't have to pay income tax from this, on the money that you earn with state or the federal, could benefit you with a, a, you know an extra point or two of interest because you don't have to pay taxes on the money that you earn. Uh, the danger in, in that thinking is getting out of those bonds if you're going to use that money to buy real estates down the road not that you can't get out of course you could get out you could sell them but you don't know what at what price at what price you can get out so the value of your municipal bonds if interest rates keep going down then you'll be able to get out of it at a higher price and you'll be fine if interest rates start turning around on us in the next six months a year or two years whatever just know that that bond fund even though it's a municipal bond, it will go down in value as yields go up. Okay, so the value could go could go down. For the time being, you know, 
They're not, you know, it's it's an okay strategy. Is it an ETF, exchange traded fund, or a mutual fund? No, it'd be a, a managed account. So the managed account, they would uh, buy about thirty okay. municipal bonds, and then uh, have different uh, maturity dates. So to spread it out. So, okay. So then I don't really have a problem with that. I really don't. Other than that, the only danger is if interest rates start to rise on you. But that's kind of slim at this point. I don't think rates are going to go up anytime soon. So, I don't, Eric, I think I, I'll give you a thumbs up on that. I'm okay with that. Okay? I appreciate that, Steve. Thanks for your input. No, no problem. Thanks, Eric. Good luck. I hope you find some properties. Before we go, you can see more about today's topic. Go to investtalk.com. You want to contact me directly? Easy. Leave a message in the machine or go to investtalk.com. I'm money manager Steve Peasley, and I want to thank you for listening. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.